1: Find here, Moving Iron Hello and welcome to Moving Iron
0: Podcast number 283 This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire Helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years For more information, go to axontire.com Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation Our goal is to help you reach yours no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, auction, or a private party, agdirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at Agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at AgDirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over 20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry, industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is also brought to you by Anvil Appworks, the Dealer Contact CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. All right. This is uh, coming from the Moving Iron Summit over here in Nashville. And I've got three guys that are pretty commonplace on the Moving Iron Podcast. Sean Hackett, which you know him. He's on there. Tuesdays and Thursdays, laying down what he's he happening in the commodity market. Sean, thanks for being here.
2: It's wonderful to be here. I love Nashville.
0: It's a cool spot, isn't it? It is. You, you can't have a good time here. I've tried hard. I just can't <laughs> seem to do it. You know? All right. We got Alan Hoskins. Alan Hoskins is with American uh, Farm Mortgage, and he is the National Sales Director there. And he comes on um, from about once a quarter or so to kind of talk about what's going on in the lending side of the uh, spectrum. And then we've got... and. Alan, thanks for being here. Thank you, Casey. And then we got Rich Posson, comes on once a month and talks about what's going on in the economy. So, Rich, how you doing, man? Very good. So, join
3: Nashville. First time here. Really?
0: Yep. You were singing last night on the stage? Hell <laughs> yeah! Yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> you got to get a recording contract. None of yet, us could right? get any sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's really an honor to have all three of you guys in the same place. I've always wanted to do this, where all of you guys are in the same spot and with uh, everybody being here, I was like, I've got to take advantage of this and definitely get get down and get uh, get things going here. So let's just start off this way here. Um, Sean, we had some news come out last night. We saw Russia finally, you know, fessed up to their threat they've been throwing around and they have cut off natural gas to, to Germany until their sanctions are lifted um, there in Russia. So I guess as you look at the natural gas marketplace, And what that does to the overarching spectrum of everything we see from fertilizer all the way down. What are your thoughts on that and how do you think that's going to impact the market?
2: I think the key with Europe is, first of all, we are selling them everything we can. So our price level no longer is going to be driven by can we sell them more. We're already maxed that out. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is how are they doing, right? They had a goal of getting to 80% full. Uh, By the beginning of the winter, they're already at 80% full and it looks like they're going to get to 90% full Mm -hmm. with or without Russia Um, If you look at their typical demand some of the demand instructions occurred already and you work through the numbers They can handle a normal to let's say moderately above normal winter and not run out of natural gas So um, I think the prospects for them without russia you know is is pretty good i think they're likely to get through without having to have their economy shut down like is the greatest fear now we won't know that we won't be able to really put that down into a clear concise understanding until the first quarter so the market will worry about that until then but i think the 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 outcome will be that they will have dodged a bullet here and that could be a big relief to the global economy Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the capital flows that have been coming into the u.s dollar over fear over what's going to happen in Europe this winter those capital flows could start to head back there and if I'm correct about that you know this dollar strength that has been putting some pressure here on commodities here in the last couple of months that may ebb you know in the first quarter of next year and may provide some 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 relief or some tailwinds to provide some of that currency inflation factor that we've lost here since the middle of the summer so so overall I'm getting a little more optimistic, because the numbers are telling me they're probably going to be okay despite the fear over. Remember back in, what was it, um, March on The Economist magazine, I think it was, it said, you know, starvation coming, you know, and, you know, they might be right three years from now, but they right. kind of were a t- little bit too yep. fantastical. And I think this idea that somehow Europe's going to completely shut down this winter seems to me, looking at the numbers, not likely going to happen.
0: Right on. Okay. So, Rich, as you look at, at the overarching economic spectrum right now with what's going on in Europe, because there, if, I think I had Chip Nellinger on here, and he was talking about the dollar and those kind of things, and he used the term the cleanest dirty shirt when he was talking about the U.S. dollar. And it made a lot of sense if you think about it. It's not like it's perfect by any means, but there are um, spectrums out there that are better, just because of what they're compared to against right now. So I guess looking at the economy, what you see happening in Europe, what you see happening in the United States right now, what are your thoughts on the overall economy of both Europe and the United States right now, throwing in this natural gas thing?
3: Yeah, well, I'm pleased to hear that on the natural gas because, frankly, I think this whole inflation stuff globally should start rolling over, mm-hmm. more so in the U.S. Uh, Europe may have a tough, tough time for a while yet. But I think, uh, looking out to next year, I see lower inflation in the US, and that's gonna help the economy. Uh, The dollar, I think, is due to set back into next year. I don't have any forecast of how significant that will be, but I know my stock market model loves it, and I think the economy will do better because it'll help us on our uh, exports here. That doesn't necessarily mean it supports commodities, however, it may not come down fast enough, large enough to be a price push. As for the economy, some of my indicators are suggesting, yes, we may or may not be in a recession. I'm willing to go with a camp that says we are, but it doesn't concern me. The stock market's already dialed it in, uh, and I think it's just a matter of time. Stock market normally bottoms first, then the economy bottoms next, and then we also track consumer sentiment, which is horrible. If you look at consumers, they think it's the end of the world, it's done. It's record low on that indicator. The interesting thing is the consumers evolved in the last couple of decades to where when they're this negative, you find out they still invest in the stock market anyways. They've learned they got to take care of retirement. They learned the stock market somehow, some way always goes up. So you got to be careful when you look at that consumer sentiment. Yeah, they're pretty pessimistic, but uh, the way they're spending money doesn't suggest that. They're saying one thing and doing something else. Right. And it's only a matter of time that consumer sentiment will start uh, moving mm-hmm. up. And I think next year is the key year here we can back this inflation off a little bit, keep the economy going good because the jobs are fantastic. Now, the problem is the jobs can be a negative, and this is why the stock market jumped on Friday, they got that wonderful report, then they said, wait a minute, good news can actually be bad because if it's good, the Fed's gonna keep raising rates until they kill our economy. Right. So they brought right. it in the morning, and later in the day said, oops, I don't wanna do this, and sold right. it. And that's what everybody's dealing with. Everything's a two-edged sword. I right. fully understand why a lot of people are confused. This data is showing it's either great or it's horrible, nothing right. in between. But it looks like it's a process moving towards the positive side of things. So I'm optimistic next year for the US. Europe, I, you know, that, that war could last off for a long time yet. But somehow, I think next year we'll see some some, some hope there, some positive signs. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see they're closer to a recession than we are. They probably are in a recession. Just depends what measurement you're looking at. But uh, when you look at all, they'll, they'll be improving next year.
0: Yeah. So you're kind of saying that you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yep. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. <clears throat> Alan, mm-hmm. um, from a lender perspective, if you look what's going on here, you know going into 23 looking into 24 mm-hmm. input costs obviously aren't going to go anywhere mm-hmm. um, We're still seeing some some high commodity prices. We're seeing that that's just, I mean That's kind of one of those things that we think are going to stick around mm-hmm. based on You know what carryout looks like and those kind of things. So from a lenders perspective You know you look at the economy and inputs and everything else mm-hmm. What what's your how, how has your thought process changed and and what are you starting to look at that may be different than maybe you looked at in 22
4: well certainly as we go into 23 mm-hmm. we don't know what working capital positions are going to look like right we, we're hearing some early yields that are coming in that are somewhat disappointing depending mm-hmm. on what area you're in so i don't know where we're going to shake out in 22 yet so right. there's a little bit of a major issue there right. in that understand what 23 is going to look like we kind of need to know where we're going to end up in 22. Obviously four months from now we're going to have a much better answer to that question. Uh, from what I'm hearing I think we are going to see some increased input costs again going into 23. Uh, seed particularly is kind of the thing right now that I'm hearing mm-hmm. that we're going to see some inflation in. We'll see if that ultimately materializes but that at least is something that I think bears watching one of the things that i'm seeing is i know the, the gentleman that i buy my fertilizer from a week and a half ago he said hey i can get you some fertilizer prices now if you go back to last year there were times yeah. where we couldn't get those fertilizer prices yeah, exactly. unless we were willing to commit so i think that's a positive as we go into this you're absolutely right with where commodities are right now if we can get some fertilizer prices get some idea of, of what input costs are really going to look like obviously fuel Mm-hmm. is something that we need, I think, to look hard at. We, we don't know where that's going to trend. And there may be some opportunities, even at elevated prices, there may be some opportunities to lock some fuel costs in. If folks can get their inputs locked in for 23, I think it makes a whole lot of sense to go ahead and begin, if they haven't already, mm-hmm. doing some marketing, but don't do it until you can lock in that profitability. Right. Don't, don't leave yourself exposed. Right. So I think we're gonna know a lot more four months from now than what we know today. But candidly, between 22 and 23, I've been a little more concerned about 23 all along because mm-hmm. we came into 22 in a good position. We did have some guys that did a great job getting fertilizer prices locked in. Yep. Uh, on the fuel side, I know of one producer that locked in two years worth of fuel, and he did it about uh, a week before Russia invaded Ukraine. Oh, wow. Pretty bright guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his wasn't luck. Yeah. It, it was skill because this this guy has some really strong management practices. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that, as a lender, I'm looking at with producers. Tell me about how you're improving your management practices.
0: Right. Yeah. And I'll agree with you on that. I think, as, as I'm looking from a, an equipment perspective, 22, you're exactly right. A lot of capital to spend. And a lot of that was, whether it was PPP money or, you know, just government program money, those, you know, CFAP money, those kind of things that were coming in that were still kind of out there coming in from 21 into 22 mm-hmm. um, Even with commodity or, uh fertilizer prices and those kind of input mm-hmm. costs those kind of things being elevated there was still capital out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my concerns in, in 23 as to what mm-hmm. those you know available funds look like and and what that how that starts to play in because mm-hmm. Interest rates are not going to be a factor that I think not that they're not a factor now, but um, the first half you know january february of twenty two interest rates were like two point nine percent and now we're looking at six and a half percent six and a quarter something like that so that's a that's a big broad j you know I, I gave a a sold a guy five you know five or six things so far in groups of of, of stuff and every contract he signed was another half a percent higher than the stuff he signed just two or three months before that. So looking at interest rates, Mm How are you factoring that in, and and what's your thought process there?
4: Well, two things, and and number one, I wanna go back to something you said there a moment ago Mm -hmm. about PPP and CFAP and government payments. One of the things that I did with some of our producers when we talked about where they ended up in 2021, Mm -hmm. we did an analysis that backed out both on an accrual adjusted and on a cash basis. We did an analysis that what percentage of their total debt coverage margin came from governmental money. In some cases, it was significant. When I say significant, you're talking 40%. Oh wow, okay. So I thought that was a very important factor for them to understand. Now, I've got a fellow banker uh, from the same state I'm from that did some analysis on one of his customers. It was even greater than the 40%. So I think understanding the source of the revenue, not just the overall revenue was incredibly important. And that's something we tried to address with guys going into 22 because Mm -hmm we kind of knew that we weren't going to see the governmental payments this year or perhaps next year that we've seen historically. So they needed to understand the composition of their cash flow. Interest rates. Without a doubt, we've seen interest rates change materially over where we were at the beginning of this year. However, for perspective, if you go back to January one where we're sitting, pardon me, if you go back to January 1 of 2000, and you analyze where prime rate has been over the most recent 22-year period, with where prime is today, we are only 80 basis points over the average of what prime has been. It's just we've become spoiled. Very much so. By the low interest rates. Sure. Now we've seen the cycle yep you go back to 2008 the last time prime was at three and a quarter was back in 2008 it stayed there for a little while went up we went back down to three and a quarter in 2020 what's the significance Mm -hmm. of those two years obviously 2008 the great recession began sure 2020 COVID. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: so interest rates obviously were moving in a downward direction because of what i would call extraordinary items right. in both those scenarios so with where we are today interest rates are not historically high mm-hmm. i would argue they're still at a very manageable level
0: sure
4: now i will also say this if you go from three and a quarter percent prime to five and a half percent prime percentage-wise that's a big number yep. depending upon the debt level the farm is carrying that's going to have a fairly significant increase unless a good portion of their debt, which I hope it was, was real estate-based and locked in at those historic rates. So for all the discussion about interest rate increases, it, I think, deserves the comment that it's individualized in every operation what the effect of these increased rates is going to have. If they're trading equipment, Obviously, we see equipment rates going up. Hopefully, though, they've done a good job of building some capital reserves to be able to self-finance a good portion of these equipment purchases. But again, even if they haven't, if they've done a good job managing expenses, there should be some opportunity, even within their existing cash flow, to be able to make those needed equipment upgrades. And by the way, I'm a big proponent, even in challenging times, you still have to make the investment in improving the efficiency of your farm. So I, I think you analyze those equipment trade opportunities on what they do to overall revenue. But I still think we're at manageable levels on the interest rate. So obviously I can't predict the future, don't know where we're headed, won't even try mm-hmm. because I've been wrong too long about that. <laughs> right. But I, I think there's still some good opportunities there for folks, even with the increased interest rates we're looking at.
0: Right on. Okay. Sean, you and Rich both have talked about 23 and going into 23 and how, how the, the weather models that you're looking at are, are, are showing you that we will see some, some potential in, in crop issues, whether it's a early frost or a late frost. Or, but in between, there's going to be some opportunity to see some, some, some good growth in, in uh, North, North America and South America uh, crops. Looking at what you see right now going into all this, We've talked about it you know several times on the podcast looking at where carryout is now going into 23 assuming that we have an amazing crop and everything's great and wonderful where do you think that puts us in at the end of 23 going into 24 with with the idea that hey we know what now we've got a quote-unquote surplus
2: well remember the the 11-year solar cycle drives the weather patterns right you know la nina Mm -hmm. el nino Um, whenever you come off the trough of an 11 year solar cycle, you tend to get a multi-year lining. This is, everyone keeps saying, oh, we've never seen this before. It's been going on for 400 years. Right. Okay. This is repeated over and over and over. But when you get to the two and a half year point from the trough of the 11 year solar cycle, the El Nino will kick in from that point forward. Um, and so if you look at when, when, when is that two and a half year period, it's pretty much the fall. Mm -hmm. If you look at the. Average La Niña after the solar cycle trough, it's two years. The two-year anniversary of the La Niña is October, and like I said, this is this is data that's been verified for over 400 years. Never actually not delivered. Now, of course, just because it hasn't doesn't mean it has to. But I'll go with 400 years and say it's probably so. So our overall view is that you know we're going to see a significant change in sea surface temperatures in the central Pacific to a. Uh, El Nino weather regime as we get into the first half of 23 and that means cooler wetter summers in the US, cooler wetter summers in Europe um, and a much better second half of the growing season in South America, which means we're going to actually have good crops um, potentially above trendline yield crops and that would finally be able to get us you know a, a carry out that we have at least some type of a buffer to handle what could go wrong kind of a scenario. Um, so what exactly that means for price? Obviously, there's a lot of moving pieces. What happens with Russia, Ukraine? What ha- does, does China go into Taiwan? Um, how much does the U.S. dollar weaken? You know, There's a lot of factors that go into it, but my overall feeling um, is that the prices we saw last year, um, last summer, you know, what was it four and three quarters? I'm just remembering exactly where it was. You know, something sub upper fours kind of a level. It wouldn't surprise me if that's a level that we came down and retested during a period of surplus. Um, you know, that would be a reasonable expectation of mine. Now, we talk about inputs, you know, I mean, the fertilizer price follows the corn price. The seed price follows, the you know, prices. Prices determine how much Input providers can get away with extracting money from farmers. I'm not saying this in a negative way. It's just the way the trends are. So my feeling is that given that we're isolated from the European situation, and even though their fertilizer plants are operating at 35% capacity, and they don't have, you know, we're pretty good. We're, I think with the on the input side, we're not, shouldn't have an issue. We should see substantial lower inputs next summer. That would be the point that would, in my view, be similar to what we saw in 2020, where you would have a multi-year opportunity to lock in long-term inputs, Mm -hmm. as he was saying, regarding, you know, get that input locked in, allow yourself that opportunity for margin. The gentleman you mentioned about, you know, covering two years' worth of energy prices. I think something really, really smart on the input side can be had, let's say, late spring, summer of next year, before we get into this extraordinarily highly volatile Gleisberg cycle that we've been talking about where we get a one in 100 year drought in the midwest um it's the it's it's happened for uh, if you go back a thousand years of tree ring analysis that's been done the Gleisberg cycle has picked a one in 100 year drought every single century for a thousand years and once again just because it has doesn't mean it always has to but the what drives these cycles are naturally occurring forces of the sun, the planets, sea surface temperatures, gravity. These these things are constantly impacting our climate. And last time I checked, they're still impacting our climate. Um, And that's why we've had, I always say the biggest, that climate is always changing. There is no such thing as a steady climate. So uh, my job as a price forecaster, your job as a lender, your job as a price forecaster, as an economic forecaster, is which way is the weather going to change how long is it going to change in that direction and what adjustments do i need to make with my marketing with my how i operate my business to be able to limit some of those negativities and 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 thrive through it all because in that in all of that there's always opportunity if you're you know thinking of being more progressive mm-hmm. so so uh, i'm really excited about what for example the livestock producer might be able to do next summer with their feed costs which many didn't take care of in 2020. you know i'm pretty excited what the farmer can do now to lock in some of these higher prices with the prospects of some very significant increases in supply you know next year right um so so these are the things we think about Um, Weather is the number one determiner of what the price of agriculture is it's not the only thing, but it's, it's the primary thing. Underneath that, you have politics. Underneath that, you have currency. Underneath that, you have um, you know, various demand side shocks that come along, whether it was ethanol in the 2000s, whether it's renewable diesel now, whether it was the Japanese demand ascension in the 70s. I mean, there's always something that's going on on the demand side that's causing some de- acceleration or deceleration. So, so that's what we see. So we're, we're fairly unfriendly. To agricultural prices over the next year and, and we're certainly you know kind of warning the, um, the the cowbell shall we say that you know after our two-year run-up of a pretty exciting period you know we we're, it's not unusual in fact it's quite common to actually have a pause in the action and so I would be very careful about uh, making decisions being too ebullient I think this is a time to be being very calculated about where we are and, and realistically where we're going at least you know and, and then, and then what, what, if, if I'm right, what does it mean to have a 1 in 100 drought? Mm-hmm. What, what, what should I do? How can I handle that? You know, what, what, deci- what different decisions would I be making? Um, and I think you know, that's obviously what we're going to be speaking with our customers about all throughout. And I think those are some of the bigger considerations that everyone needs to be thinking about on, in the whole ag chain, food chain. Right on.
0: Okay. Rich, you've talked about this a lot. You and I, when you're on, you've talked about... What you see happen as far as weather modeling forecasts and where you see those going, looking at it, what what Sean just said and comparing that to your data, what do you see? What impact do you see that having on on twenty three? I guess as you look at what's going on there.
3: Yeah. So several years ago, uh, my cyclical model, which labels all fluctuation in temperature, precipitation, yield, and production, and is more focused on corn than the other uh, markets. But it's made a forecast we were gonna get a once a decade type of drought from 2021 to 2024. And fortunately in 2021, I think it was about March, I said, this isn't gonna be the year. And fortunately it pegged the May high and for that year and, and it came down. This year I said, boy, this is iffy. I don't wanna be brave and say it's not gonna happen but I said at the same time, it's, it's just not quite right. So I'm kind of intrigued that the corn yield looks like it's coming down. There was something there working, but it wasn't what I was looking for. And so I'm saying it's either 23 or 24. I don't know if so I can pick which year it is, because I can definitely see how this could flip, have a good crop next year, and then 2024, bam, we, we get hit but I can also see it is next year. So I'm just going to watch La Nina uh, for years now. I've always said, if I get stuck with a range, can't pick the year, keep an eye on La Nina. If La Nina is there at the right time going into summer, then I'm going to err on the side of saying it's going to happen and yep. then I'll deal with it uh, later. So yeah, I wish I could tell you whether it's for 23 or not, but I just, um, I'm not quite there yet. It feels like it should be there, but I I can see how it can delay one more year after mm-hmm. that to, to 24. But uh, economic-wise, though, I think commodities in general won't be doing very well by 2025 to 2026. So that tells us if we're going to get this hit, it's, it's going to knock it down good one year, and the next year we're probably heading for a record yield again. So okay. you just got to be able to take care of business along the way there, because I really think inflation's going lower into 2025. I think a lot of these commodities have topped out for many years, but you can just see these grains can give us another shot up. Before they get in line with that, and that's why we gotta keep an eye on that. Whether it works, works really well. I have two different models. One is just looking at the actual data. I have another model that was originally discovered on cosmic rays. I was trying to be different. Than everybody else instead of using the solar, mm-hmm. and then I realized I didn't have as much history as the solar folks were <laughs> using, and I realized cosmic rays are actually opposite of solar. It's they're inverted. So. I then switched to solar and said, oh wow, this, this thing still works and I got far more years to prove it. I uh, got two different models running 90 to 100% accurate. And uh, that's telling us, yes, there could be some crap issues later this year from that that kind of, or later this decade, I should say, uh, from that model, but not today. I'm, I'm focused on that cyclical model and I'm just gonna see where we go for 23 and 24. But, but yeah, keep in mind, I'm, I'm convinced we get the scrap problem you'll you'll see a six-month spike in prices and then it's downhill for two or three years right i really think we'll get this get these commodities down by mid-decade to late decade
0: all right well good stuff there guys i could we could probably spend the rest of the morning here talking and and i know we've, we've got stuff to get accomplished here this morning so i'm gonna i'm gonna think that's probably a good place to stop sean if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing what's the best way to do that Our website is
2: Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. As you know, we have all kinds of information on there that tell everyone how we do our weather models, our capital flow models to
4: see if what we do might be of value.
0: Right on. Alan, folks want to reach out to you.
4: Easiest way, Casey, my cell phone number is pretty simple, 618-926-0463, or my email is ahoskins at americanfarmmortgage.com. Love to hear from folks, love to hear their comments and answer any questions I
0: could. Right on. And, Rich, you've got a podcast. So tell people about your podcast.
4: Okay, so the podcast
3: focuses on three grains, uh, the major grains and the stock market and the economy. But I then have secondary markets that might be gold, oil, interest rates. I'm less worried how accurate I am on them. They are inputs for all those other markets I just mentioned. So the focus, again, is stock markets and grains and economy. I do this climate stuff as well, just looking for periods of time during a decade to watch out for a crop problem, and other Mm -hmm. than that, I leave the weather up to the weather guys. but anyways, the podcast, uh, I put out morning updates, uh, audio, video, and there's a weekly update. And the stock market is even a monthly update where we look at long-term of where we're going for decades in the economy and uh, stock market. And you can find information about it at criticalpointpod.com. You'll see information about myself and explaining these models. But there's a link there to the page where there are the videos and audios and, as well as a sign-up uh, page as well.
0: And what's the best way to contact you?
3: Uh, rich at ag-financial.com phone number 386-216-9090 and then my Twitter handle is at rich underscore posson p-o-s-s-o-n
0: right on well fellas I, I really appreciate this this is, a, this is a great great opportunity here and I, I thank you guys for being on the podcast and then I thank you guys for being a part of the Moving Iron Summit as well Thank, thank you, Richard. Thank you, thank All right. you Casey. Thank right you, Casey. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Moving Iron LLC. You can find me on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and check out the video version of this on the very creatively named Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out, and you'll find everything there. Um, Moving Iron Summit's going on right now. Uh, I should have information for the next years coming up here in the next 30 days or so. So if you're interested in that, just stay tuned to the Moving Iron uh, LLC website. And that's where you can find everything moving iron related. Uh, So check that out. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett, Alan Hoskins, and Rich Possum. Let's go with some iron folks out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com.